Have you ever wondered how long it will take before your dream matches your reality? How many of you have a dream? How many of you feel that God has given you a God-given dream? That's another type of dream. Now, you may dream to be a kajillionaire. <laughs> Everybody has that dream overall. But what about your God-given dream that you know God has placed in your heart? And maybe you're not there. Has, has anyone arrived at their dream? Like you've, you, you're seeing what God has spoke to you. You've got to be able to understand that point. Because sometimes I will say that it feels like it takes forever to get where God wants you to go. You feel, you know God is leading you. You, you know God is moving. Sometimes we get impatient. How many impatient people do we have? full 99% people in here, very impatient. <laughs> but the next three weeks, we're going to dive into expecting greater. And we're going to explore what it means to walk in God's will. Now, that, that's a big topic because we're going to find out how do you know you're in God's will because sometimes we have to wrestle our flesh. Can I be honest? Because God's will it almost seems we take the long way around. Just ask Israel when they left Egypt. It was only a few days' walk from Egypt to the promised land, but they took a 40-year walk to get to where God needed them to be. 40 years. A few days, 40 years. God said, ha, 40 years, here we go. But sometimes in that journey to greater God has to teach you some things, and there's some lessons to be learned so that when you get to greater, you're mature enough to sustain what God has prepared for you. Because the last thing you want to do is to get where God wants you to be, but you're too immature to handle it. And I'm not, not talking about just even spiritually not being ready. And often... His will is not an easy road. Can anybody testify to that? That sometimes knowing God's will and being in God's will is not an easy road. But it is a road that we must traverse if we want to expect greater by walking in God's will. Being in God's will forces us to trust fully in Him and not on your own abilities. I've been, in, I've been saved for 20 years two years, and I'm still trying to figure this whole trusting in God. I, I believe I know God's will. I know when God speaks to me. Not too long ago, God gave me a word that I need to just stop everything and learn, when, when am I going to start trusting Him? When am I going to Trust God and what he's doing. That was the word he gave me. When are you going to stop doing your own thing and trust God to provide? That was the word, to provide for you. And so even real recently, 
I've been having to remind myself and ask God, God, what do I have to do to get to a place where I know you're providing everything that I need and desire? Because I know what God has put in my heart, and I can very easily get impatient and want to push my way through to God's purpose and will in my life, which will ultimately lead to disaster. Anyone ever pushed God's will or you tried to will God's will to happen and it did not end well? Anybody? Oh, great. Man, we're in great company tonight. When we trust and hope, when our trust and hope is placed in God, God's vision for our lives far outreaches our own. Our dreams can become our reality when we hold on to a steady hand. Expecting greater will be the encouragement you need to find your purpose in Christ and to align your desires with His will. Think about that for a minute. To be in God's will and to experience greater in your life, your desires have to align with God's will, not with your will. Your will has to go away. Your desires cannot line up with your desires and your will because that's going to lead you in the wrong direction. So to start off, we're going to begin with a very well-known scripture. It's in your, on your paper, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. And it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Now in this scripture, now we're teaching tonight, God is setting a precedent that we must all submit to if we desire greater. When it comes to God's will for your life, you must understand this right off the bat. His plane of comprehension for your future is on an entirely different level than what you can personally understand. You get that? He says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, and neither is your way my way. Because what I am seeing, you may not can see it clearly, but I see where I need you to go, even though you may not see it in the moment. And so you must trust God enough saying, you know what? If God knows the beginning from the end, and I'm trusting him to lead me to greater, then I must trust the process from A to B. And we will most not likely not understand what we are seeing or why you are in a particular situation. Have you ever been in that moment? How many of you are there right now? You don't understand why you're in this moment. But God in all his wisdom and forethought is directing your path even as you speak right now. Even as we're in this place, as you're sitting in that chair, God is trying to lead you. Now you may be in the middle of one of those rebellious seasons. To where you're getting impatient or you're trying to do things your own way. Well, God, God's going to wait on you. When you get done meandering, he's going to take you right back where you left off. And he's going to begin to push you on your way once again. Now, however long it is you stray, that's up to you. But remember, your desires have to line up with his will. And God will wait. He is very patient. I mean, he has all of eternity to wait on you. Okay. So get back on track right now. If, if, if you feel that things may be a little, you're not quite where you need to be, then there's always that moment where we got to get back. Because I believe, 
has anybody ever raised a boy? And no matter how clear you are with your instructions about the danger and their safety, they will still sometimes bumble right on into the danger. Like, I mean, you can be so clear, threaten them. Kaylee, get ready, it's going to happen. And John Reed is going to just walk his way right to where you said don't go or do exactly what you said not do because he doesn't quite understand what you're talking about. And it's the same thing with us sometimes and with God. What amazes me is that when we mess up and when we stumble and we come running back to him with our tears and disappointment, then we understand why God said don't do that. And that's called the school of hard knocks. Sometimes on your path to greater, sometimes we get off that path and we will very quickly understand, oh, bad decision. Now, what's, what's not good for you and being greater in your life is when you don't learn the first time. <laughs> Been there. Man, I'm as hard-headed as it gets. Sometimes I'm a glutton for punishment. It is easy to stumble into frustration and disappointment when we don't understand God's timeline for His will in our life. So he goes on to say, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. To fully comprehend God's will, our childlike faith must meet God in the middle. You must be willing to meet God right where you're at. So God's God's expectation for his children is simply we got to meet God where he is. When we live our lives according to our expectations, we cut ourselves and our families and the will of God for us woefully short. God has great things for every one of us in this place tonight. I want you to go ahead and say that to yourselves and to those around you. God has great things in store for me. Look at somebody. God has great things in store for me. Now, I want you to say it again with the full comprehension of your mistakes and failures and life's disappointments that has happened in your life. Put it all in your mind. Failures, mistakes, life's disappointments. Now, say it again. God has great things in store for me. What happens around you with the mistakes that you made, the disappointments of life, the hurt and the pain, does not stop God's will for being greater in your life. God is still pulling on you. God is still drawing you. God is still not going to ever give up on you. Because I've been in seasons in my life, and we're going to be candid during this little season, that there were seasons in my life I wanted to just quit. I didn't want God's will no more. If this is what I had to go through, if this waiting period and this season of my life was what I've got to go through, I didn't want it. But little did I know there was always this nudge. And that's what you want to feel for, that nudge. God is just pulling on you once again. And you go repenting of your sins and you cry and you weep and you fall on your face and say, God, I know you have greater for me. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. Because I don't know what God has in store for me. I know what I've seen. And I don't know what he has in store for you. But I promise you, it is far greater than what you can even imagine. There are three parts to his will. Look at your paper. He has a purpose for our lives. Purpose. Yes, you have a purpose. You were born on this earth for a purpose. 
You have a mission. And that mission never ends until you go to the sunny shores of sweet deliverance. It will not end until you breathe your last breath. Your purpose is continual. That purpose involves his plans being fulfilled. Got us a little tornado warning happening. You're in God's will. We're talking about it. You expecting greater? Are you going to run? Or are you going to believe? Which one are you going to do right now? God's testing you. Get out of line and run outside see what happens. <laughs> that purpose involves his plans being fulfilled. To get to your purpose, God has a plan that you got to be in stride with. And he expects, this is the third one, us to do our part in realizing those plans. This is the threefold cord that keeps us on track to greater. He, I have a purpose, he has a plan, and he expects me to do my part to those plans. Let's break this down just a little bit. Weather channel. <laughs> Let's break this down just a little. I'm kind of nervous right now. All right. Y'all just let me know if I need to duck. We are not an accident or a mistake. You've heard that plenty of times in your life. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God knows us and he loves us. And if you're on this earth, you're here for a reason. This is called purpose. Each of you have a purpose. You didn't even know it. When you was in the middle of your sin and you was running from God full of rebellion, you're still full of purpose. Because you know what? No one's going to walk the path that you walk. No one's going to go the places that you go. You know the people that you know, and there's people that's going to need to know God that only you can do it. God has greater plans for us than we have for ourselves. So your greatest dream, your greatest vision, your greatest moment of saying, I would like to do this for God, and I would like to have this ministry, and I would like to be a part of this purpose and do this for the kingdom of God, I want you to take that dream right now, and I want you to think about what, what you feel God has for you to do. Now, I want you to multiply it times eternity. That's God's plan for your life, because you can't even comprehend how much further he wants to bring you. You cannot comprehend how much more he has planned for you to do. We're right here with our plans. God is up here with our plans. Understand this. you got to put your life in his hands and say, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you no matter where we go because I'm looking for greater things. I'm expecting greater, and I know for me to get greater, I've got to keep following after you and seeking after your face because there's going to be a moment in your life when you're going to pass up what you thought you should be doing, and you're going to far exceed those things and get to where God wants you to be. There was a season in my life when I was pretty complacent, and I was happy teaching Bible studies and, you know, coming to church early and turning the sound on and turning the AC on, and I thought I was, I was like, man, this is it. 
I thought I had reached where God wanted me to be. Man, I'm serving. I'm active in the kingdom. You know, I come to work days. I do all that. But God said, you know what? If you keep leaning on me, he kept drawing me and he kept bringing me. And I never thought I'd be teaching a class on a Wednesday night. I never thought I'd be preaching on Sundays. I never thought I'd be going out and preaching at other churches that sometimes. I never thought that. But if you keep leaning on God, he's going to bring you further than where you thought you was going to be. Because his plans are higher than ours. His expectations for us are for our own good. These expectations are not to fulfill our own selfish desires, but to prepare us to walk in his purpose, which is his kingdom. Everybody say his kingdom. Understand God's kingdom. Now, I want you to take that dream that you feel God has given you. And I want you to, how does it fit in God's kingdom? Is it his kingdom or is it going to fulfill your kingdom? Think about that for a minute. I'll just say this. Let's just, let's just have fun. The other day, read the news. Some man, he won another $375 million. And I was like, come on, man. And you think about that for a minute. We've all thought about it and said, man, what it would be. And then sometimes God just brings it back and said, would you do, use it for yourself or for, or for my kingdom? Think about it. What would you do with it? Everyone says it. Oh, I'll pay my tithes. Okay. That's more money you could ever live on. What else are you going to do for God's kingdom? Because I believe if I ever were to win that amount of money, which I don't play lottery, so it's like a real <laughs> slim chance. Super, like if I win it, it's because I found it on the ground, you know. <laughs> but I would feel God, God would, would really have me, put me in a place to where I'm just living off what I'm living on now because that, that was actually his. Does that make sense? It sounds very disappointing, but I believe if God ever entrusted me with that much, it, it, would, it would be for his kingdom anyway. You ever, we're not going to get done. I read, I read one time, and I, I was reading about, you know, people that get money or they, they, get, they win the lottery and, and they, they get all this money. And most of them are really broke in just a few years. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, massive amounts. And they, they, they pass away or uh, one guy got, got kidnapped. He won the lottery. They kidnapped that dude. <laughs> they had a cash cow. Just go to the debit account. <laughs> Your expectation for what God wants may not be God's plan because his plans for your safety and well-being <laughs> matters. He's not going to get you put in a place. Because, see, we live in Livingston Paris, a lot of us. You will get kidnapped. <laughs> I'm just saying, you win that kind of money, you're going to go to the Dollar General, and you ain't coming out. <laughs> Facts. All right. To understand God's will and to get into greater, it all starts on the inside. It's because he loves you and he wants, to, wants you to be the very best you can be. But it starts with you working on your inward man. Whether or not God's expectation for our lives are ever realized is dependent upon us. You got to get it. It's a heart issue. 
if you want greater things from God and from this life, then your heart and your desires need to align with God. So what I'm saying with all this we've just said at this point is that your desires and will need to match up with God's kingdom. That's just what it is. And because sometimes we, we start asking amiss and we start asking out of our own selfish desires, I promise you, when I, I, here recently, it's been so weird that I've, just, I've been praying, God, I want whatever is for your will. Because I could have everything in this world, and I could have all the riches, I could have fame, I, whatever, you know, God wants to throw my way. But if it's not going to glorify God in the end, what are you living for? You can obtain all the riches of the world, all the fame in the world, all, all these things that people want and they desire. And you know what the Bible says? Surely you came with nothing in this world. And, it's all, and it is certain you're not going to leave with any of it. But the God now, what's so powerful to me, there are people, there are men and women that I know that have lived and they have died and gone to heaven that their legacy is so important. It's so rich. It is a treasure. There's a, there's a book I have from a man that has gone with the, to be with the Lord. And it is a, he's a powerful man, but his life was a treasure. I would hope that after I pass away that one day someone would say, that man was a treasure. That woman was a treasure. Because you know what? That's how you know you followed God's will. That's greater. You have led people to God. You've led people to Christ. You led people out of addiction and bondage. And you was able to lead people. So your idea of greater may not line up with God's idea of greater. Consider men like Joseph, David, and Moses. From birth, each had a purpose to fulfill in their own lives. They had a, a purpose to fulfill in their own lives and in the kingdom of God. But every one of them endured extreme hardship for years before they came to realize the promises of God and before they accomplished their purpose. The path to greater will most likely be rocky and fraught with danger and disappointment. Because look at Joseph, that he was a slave and a prisoner before he found his purpose. So you question, God, why am I here? Why am I thus? Like, why is this going on in my life? But if you read the story of Joseph, the Bible always said, through every transition, through every disappointment, and God was with Joseph. Even in the darkest times, and you're just trying to reach out and find God, and you don't understand why God has you in this valley and in this dark place. If you're really trusting God, you will understand, God, what am I here to learn? Why are you conditioning me? Why am I going through this? Because you've got to realize what you're going through is going to be able to help somebody else in another time, in another place. David was on the run for years with Saul bent on killing him. But yet David knew how to get a hold of God. God, David knew how to find that secret place. And even though he was being hunted for his life, if he was able to hang on and keep God's will in the forefront of his life, one day he was going to be king. One day he was going to be 
a man after God's own heart. Even though you may not understand the things you're going through and the disappointments that's in your life and it feels like you're hiding in caves and you're running for your life, if you will just hang on to God, I promise you what you're going through is going to lead you to a place and to a relationship with God that money cannot buy, that life cannot buy. You need to be able to know that the greatest things in your life is going to come from hanging on when you feel like letting go. Moses grew up away from his family and was in exile for 40 years before he'd done his first thing for God. Sometimes it may feel God is not ever going to show up. And it feels like, God, you got to do something right now or I'm not going to make it. God, I'm going to throw in the towel if you don't do something today. Sometimes that timeline is not convenient. But you're wanting greater, and you're expecting greater. Stop looking at the timeline and saying, God, show me what you need me to do. Show me what you're trying to teach me. Help me learn. Make me stronger in this moment. It is hindsight that we see them as men who accomplish great things in God's kingdom. But what about their path that led them to greatness? What about that path you're on right now and it seems like you're winding and, and you're going around curves and bends and dark places. I want to tell you something. That path is leading you somewhere, ma'am. That path is leading you somewhere, sir. If you will just hang on just a little while and say, God, just lead me. I need you to guide me because when you get to where God has planned for you and when you get to the destination, it will be worth the wild. The victory will be worth the wild. The expectation God's going to give you will be worth it. The deliverance the breakthrough, whatever it is you're praying for, it will be worth it if you just stay on that path. I knew men. There was a young man. I had just gotten in church, and there was a young man that, that attended the church. We, we was about the same age. And um, God, God was calling, and God... I believe in your life right now, God, God's calling people. God, God wants to use you more mightier than what you're being used right now. Facts. God wants you to do greater things than what you're doing. So, so it was, I was a young man. I, I didn't know. I, I was just bumbling through life and just trying to do the will of God. And, and uh, the pastor that we was under at the, at the time came up to us on a, on a um, Sunday morning. And he, he, he got us both together, and, and I, I thought I was in trouble. I, I didn't know what I had done. But he asked, he asked both of us at the same time, hey, I want y'all to speak tonight. And, uh, you know, one of y'all will do a few minutes and let the other one do a few minutes. And then past, the pastor said, I'm going to come do altar call. And I was terrified, scared to death. And um, went home, worried to death all day, saying, God, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this was going to happen in my life. I didn't know I was going to be doing this. I mean, I was, I was great running sound. Didn't even know what I was doing, but I was, this is what I wanted to do. I was just touching stuff and squealing and whatnot. It was, it was great. Home missions worked. There was about six people there, so no big deal. But uh, we get back to church that evening, and I'm ready. You know, I got my suit on. I mean, I got my my tie, I mean, I'm ready to go, and, and I get there, and I go to the prayer room, because I'm just travailing, because I got to get up and speak, for crying out loud, and so I keep looking around, and 
my boy never shows up. I'm like, he just wasn't there. I said, well, I guess he ain't praying. I, I guess he's just going to go and wing it. I was like, well, good for him. I come out the prayer room, and he's still not there. And he was, he was actually the drummer. So music starts, and we ain't got no drummer. And I was like, boy, this dude don't show up. It's going to be a very short service. <laughs> but he never showed up. Never seen him again. Never came to church again. He just, boop. But he wasn't willing to walk the path. I didn't know what it was. Was it going to be a one-hit wonder? I hope not. I hope my whole career wasn't on that message. Because that, that, that was the worst. I was scared. But sometimes you got to stay the path because you never know what God's going to do. Sometimes you got to experience things so you can do it better next time. Sometimes God will bring you through things so you'll be stronger next time. Sometimes he brings you through situations to increase your faith. Because where you're going to go, you're going to need greater faith. You may be saying right now, I'm walking in faith. That's powerful because where God is leading you, that faith is going to carry you. And that faith is going to be needed. You may be the one going through all the hardships and depression and oppression, and you don't know why. It just feels like you're just living your life dragging through the mud, and you're just trying to be obedient to God. It just feels like nothing's working out your way, and your world's falling apart, but you're hanging on. What you don't realize is that one day, those experiences is going to give you the corn in the crib to help somebody else. Because you can't talk about something and minister about something that you don't know nothing about. David could tell you all about running for your life. He could tell you about what it is to have to find somewhere to hide, to get into the presence of God when nothing else matters. When he had nobody else, he knew how to get a hold of God. Moses could tell you what it felt like to wait. Joseph could tell you what it's like to be locked up and incarcerated, being an innocent man. He knew what it was to be just when he came out. He knew what mercy was. That's why he ended up being the second in command of all of Egypt, because he knew how to have mercy and grace, because he knew what it was to not be guilty but yet be condemned. Understand what he went through and understand what God has done in their life. Look at all the great men of God in the Bible, what they had to endure to be great. Those troubles and that pain and that disappointment helps you get to where God wants you to be. God is not too concerned with your comfort at some times. When you're too comfortable, our relationship with God may be placed on the back burner. Comfort tends to dull your need for a relationship with Christ. You want to expect greater? Sometimes you will have to be uncomfortable. Because comfortable people have a tendency not to pray as much. Comfortable people don't need to fast. <laughs> but let trouble come. <laughs> Suddenly, interceding right now, bud. Fasting it down. You, lose ten, you lost 10 pounds. Nah, man, I'm going through problems. <laughs> and my, is it right? Let trouble come. You get spiritual quick. Sometimes trouble is the best thing that ever happened to you. 
Because trouble will get you to where you are getting a hold of God. Trouble will open up the door to an intimate relationship with Him. Because suddenly you got to get a word. Suddenly you need to hear the voice of God. Suddenly you, you got to know His will because maybe you wasn't on the right path. But when that trouble comes, well, suddenly tr trouble's that little thing that'll just kind of guide you right on back to where you need to be. And then you get out of hand, and here comes trouble again to, to, to get you right on back where you need to be. Ain't that amazing how God works? He's, he loves you so much. He has so much mercy and grace for you. He's always looking out for you. He sees you. And he'll wait. But he knows how to reel you in. I am sure of that. A lot of times we question what God is doing. You ever question his plan? You ever question, like, God, why am I here? What am, what am I doing? What, what, what is your purpose for my life? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I'm still there. I still have those moments where I'm like, okay, God, things is feeling kind of stale. You know, I've just been doing the same thing. And all right, God, I'm not doing this for the next 25 years, my man. You know, and, and we try to question what God is doing and where I'm at. And do I, am I growing? Am I stretching? I'm like, God, what's going on with my life? Watch this. This is so powerful. Look at Jeremiah 29 11. I don't think I'll put that in your, your notes, but write that down. And in this passage in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it. Uh, and this passage is often used to offer encouragement and hope to those who are experiencing crisis, trial, and difficulty. And it's a wonderful passage with a very true message. And it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. We like to hear that. We preach it. We preach it hard, and people are like, Expected in to give you peace and not evil. Meaning that God says, I, I, you don't even know my thoughts towards you to give you an expected end. Meaning that God has your end already in mind. Even as you're sitting in, this, in these seats tonight, the end for you, God already sees it. And here you are. And he's just trying to get you from this point to that point because... And, and, and to, for us, that gives us great hope. But if you look at that scripture as a whole, you try to isolate it within that chapter, that scripture almost needs a little asterisk next to it. You know what an asterisk does? It kind of clarifies that, that there's more information that is not really mentioned in this one scripture. There, there's more to the story. And so if you get an asterisk next to something, you're reading a, a bulletin, a sports clip or something, and they got an asterisk by somebody's name, you got to find out what this asterisk really mean because there's more to the story that you may not know. As powerful as this scripture is, there's a whole lot more to this chapter than just this verse. Because if you look at the entire chapter of Jeremiah 29, the context of verse 11 will jump out at you. But this chapter is part of a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the captives of Judah who had been uprooted from their homes and exiled in Babylon. So here we have Israel. Nebuchadnezzar goes over there, grabs everybody, and brings them all to Babylon. But listen to what Jeremiah tells the captives. So they're, they're in another land. They're in a strange place. They're not at home. They're very uncomfortable. They're, they're displaced. They're angry. They're homesick. They're mad. And Jeremiah says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. 
And this is in verse 29 of chapter 29, verses 4 through 6. Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. So meaning God says, I've caused this to happen. We don't like that. We don't like when God puts us in these type of situations. He says this, listen to this. He said, build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat of the fruit of them. Wait a minute. I'm in a strange land and God is telling me to build a house and live in it, plant me a garden and eat of the fruit of it. He said, take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. He commands them to get settled in and flourish in a foreign land. He says, I know the conditions that you had hoped for are not optimum. I know you feel displaced and you are a stranger and a pilgrim in a land that is not yours. But I want you to get focused and flourished because I have a plan for your life. That sounds very familiar to us right now because if you read 1 Peter 2, the Bible calls us, Peter calls us pilgrims and strangers in a foreign land. We're actually in a place right now that's not our home. But God says, told them, he said, I want you to build houses I want you to get settled, and I want you to prosper exactly where you are at. Philippians 3 and 20 says, For our citizenship is of heaven, that we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jeremiah continues in verse 7, To pray and work for peace and prosperity right where you are. The point of what we're trying to say with this scripture is that we cannot just sit and wait for hope and blessing to come to our rescue when we don't know what God is trying to do. Greatness is never birthed in complacent existence. Sometimes even though what's going on in your life is not optimum, you got to learn to settle in and prosper where you are at because you don't know how long God's going to have you here. Maybe it's just a test that if you can thrive away from God. Because you ever been in a season where you didn't feel God? You ever been in a season where God wasn't talking? You ever been in a season where you prayed and you wasn't crying, you didn't feel his presence, and you just come to church, and you're going through the motions, and you're reading your Bible, and it just seems like you're just reading it, and it's bouncing off your eyes, and you're not getting anything from it. You're like, God, where are you at? It is in those moments that we've got to lay our roots down and say, you know what, God, I'm going to prosper in this place. I know I'm uncomfortable. I know I'm not happy where I am, but I know that you have a plan for me. But you've got to prosper where you are. When we have God's purpose, plan, and expectation in clear view, we do not sit idle waiting on God to move. We always must keep pressing forward, and we continually pray and exercise our faith, and we reject all doubts. Expecting greater is flourishing in your disappointment sometimes. Flourishing and multiplying yourself even in, in the most uncertain of circumstances. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back for you. Two millenniums later, he's still not here. But watch this. What if the gospel would have died with the disciples because they got discouraged because Jesus did not come back? Think about that. You hinge your whole life. 
your careers, these guys' careers, on this man named Jesus. He says, I'm coming back for you. And yet you live in your life as an old man and God has not come back. He has not come back. But they understood that times may not be optimum, but they had to keep the kingdom alive. They had to keep the gospel alive. They, keep, they had to keep passing the torch because if they would have let it die with them, where would we be right now? You cannot get discouraged if you want greater. You cannot be disappointed when you want greater. you got to keep that fire alive in you so others can see what God is doing. Sometimes God has you in this season to impact somebody else. But you can't let the promise die in you because we got to be greater. There's greater things coming. Jeremiah, go, Jeremiah goes ahead and tells them, and I've got to hurry. The verse before 29-11 says this, For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to, to return to this place. God says, after 70 years, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you back to Israel. And then he says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected time. He says, I ain't coming back for 70 years. But don't you question what I'm doing in your life in this moment. Because what's laying ahead in your future is far more important than what's going on in your life right now. You've got to prosper where you're at. You've got to build that relationship where you're at. Probably the best thing ever happened to Israel is they get their tabernacle ripped away from them and their Ark of the Covenant ripped away from them. And they get all these formalities that are ripped away from them. And they get carried away to a foreign land. Now all they have is themselves and they have God. And all they have now is a relationship. God had them isolated for a relationship. And then it's, it's in this season we hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. One of the most powerful miracles in the Bible. In a place like this, you get a miracle like that. Daniel in the lion's den. Powerful miracle. Unheard of. But it happened in a place of oppression and depression. It happened in the middle of a time when they had to say, you know what? we got to serve God anyway. Those boys told the king, we're not careful in how we speak to you because the God that we serve will deliver us. We didn't need a temple. We didn't need an ark of the covenant. We didn't need the showbread. We have a relationship. We have communication with God. They made the decree. The first thing Daniel did was go to his upper room, opened up his windows toward Jerusalem, and begin to communicate. And I don't know what he was speaking to God, but I have an inkling. It's saying, God, I know you have me here for a reason. And his, his will had to align with God's will so God could get the glory. And I promise you, when he walked out of that lion's den, God got the glory, not Daniel. Greater things. Expecting greater. It's a hard journey. But sometimes we got to realize we got to go through situations, and when we go through them, it is your moment to draw closer. 
if you want greater, you got to hang on. And you got to lean in. I say it, you got to lean in. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going through the worst season of your life right now, don't you, please don't throw in the towel. Please don't do it. You're going to regret it. There's greater things coming for all of us. I don't know what God has in plan for my life in this next season, but I'm just like, God, I'm just going to hang on to you. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what, we, we got going, what you got planned, but, God, I know if I just hang on to you, it's going to be okay. So we got six expectations we're fixing to fly through in eight minutes. You got to walk in his will. That's the first thing he wants you to do. You got to walk in his will. To be in God's will, you got to make the right decisions. You got to make the right decisions. Psalms 25 and 4 Show me thy path, O Lord. Teach me thy path. Lead me in thy truth. Teach me, for thou art the Lord of my salvation. On thee I wait all the day. Make the right decisions. Get in God's will. Matter of fact, when you pray, say, God, I want to pray the right things. I don't want to pray amiss. I don't want to pray in selfishness. I don't want to pray in my, in my pride. God, I just want to pray for your will. I want to be in his will. Free will, our free will that we was given in the Garden of Eden at the fall is a bad thing. Your free will will lead you to down a long, hard road. Your will will lead to destruction. Let go of your will, your desires, your wishes, and say, God, I take your will. I have on your paper, so what is God's will? Your homework, you can read those items because we're running out of time. All right. <laughs> Number two. God's second expectation he has for us that we must seek him first. Seek him first, guys. You want greater? Seek him. For Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is a powerful, powerful verse. Seek God, his kingdom, his righteousness. Everything else will come your way. Amen? Um, so much I'm skipping over. I can send you these notes. Um, there's five things, um, six, about seven things I want to talk to you really quick underneath this. Um, I didn't write this down, and I'm very sorry to put that in your notes. Uh, the enemy places several things in your lives to make sure you don't seek God first. You want to know what they are? This is, write this, enemy's distractions. Just put that up there, enemy's distractions. And the first one is distraction. Watch what happens when you get into a dark place, a lonely place. Suddenly distractions come more frequently. That's how you know the adversary is trying to derail you. Suddenly you're distracted with different things. Something weird's happening in the family. Suddenly you're looking at social media more than you normally do, or suddenly you're binge watching. Can I just be honest? God, you know, the adversary is trying to dive you away from God's purpose and will. Busyness. Busyness is a distraction. Church, family, career, trying to get a little pleasure. The devil uses our busyness as a stumbling, stumbling block. Sometimes, sometimes busyness is not the best thing for your life when you're in a, in, a, in a season. Sometimes you need to get into the still place. 
Sometimes you got to stop and just say, you know what? There's certain things that are necessity, going to work, family time, church. I'm, I'm going to stick to these three things for a while until I get focused. You, you, you can get too busy. Um, our need for approval. Well, we will seek others' opinions before we seek the opinion of God. If that starts happening, uh, and you're going around trying to find a word from God from a man, prophet, man of God, you're trying to get a word, you need people's approval. Accolades and acceptance is not a substitute for God's will in your life. Uh, offense, that's a big deal. Being offended has turned people against the will of God. Be careful of offense. Don't let it grow in your life. Matter of fact, if I get offended, that's a, that's a cue in my life when something happens and I feel like, oh, I can, get, I can get very bitter at this moment right now. That's my cue that there's a distraction and I, and I got to get focused again. Because I'm not a bitter person. Some people are just bitter. You don't know if they're offended or not. They're just bitter all the time. But I'm not one of those people. You know. Don't, watch out for offense. Matter of fact, watch out when offense does come. Because you got to realize that that's a stumbling block for your life. Impatience. This is a tactic that you don't want to wait on God's timing. Uh, in his kingdom, haste makes waste. Do not be impatient. Ride it out just a little while. Be faithful. Stay, stay true to God. Pray. Seek his face. Say, you know what? I got to hold on. I know. I know. There, there's, this, there's this faith that you know what God's called you to do and what he's created you to be. Wow. Feels something powerful. And when you come to the realization of you know what, what God's created you to do, you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to connect here. That you, you feel that the talents God has given you, the way you do things, and God's will in your life, and, and, and you know that, that, that's when you know how to keep your oars in the, in the water. Does that make sense? I'm, well, God just gave me something. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, you cannot get impatient when you know you're going in the right direction. When you start doing things that don't line up with you and your character and your talents and your abilities, then that's when you know you've gotten out of alignment. Well, I don't know who that was for. I'm, I'm sorry. But there's things God has placed in your heart, and you know the moment you get out of that and you step out of that flow, I want you to know it's in that moment God's trying to get you right back in. Be very careful. Do not get impatient. Materialism. The enemy's strategy with materialism is to distract us with things which ultimately lead us away from the uh, a form and the presence of God. And finally, covetedness. Be careful for covetousness in your life. Number three, the next thing God wants for us is a relationship with him. Luke 10 and 27, thou shalt the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. You must have a relationship with him. You must have an intimate relationship with God. You must desire him. You must want to speak to him. 
you must, just, just as a marriage, you've got to want this thing to work between you and God. There's got to be an open door of communication between you and God on a daily basis. Okay, you, you can't skip. I ain't saying you got to get up in the morning and pray two hours. But I believe throughout the day there should be times when, when you're aligning and you're connecting with God. Because with that line of communication open, when God calls, you'll be ready to answer. I may go three or four days and God isn't putting nothing on my heart. It's okay. Because there's going to be a moment and a time and a day. If I keep that relationship open, when he speaks, I'm going to hear him. When he impresses on me something, I'll be able to know what he is saying. you got to have that intimate relationship with him. Number four, uh, the fourth expectation of God is that we work to further his kingdom. I believe everything we do must be kingdom-minded, especially when it comes to God's will for your life and and the Holy Ghost and the things that we do. It must be kingdom-minded. Understanding that sometimes building the kingdom comes down to four things, being selfless, having a heart of a servant, denying your flesh, and going against your own will. If you want greater things in your life, you cannot follow your flesh. You cannot have your will. you got to have the heart of a servant, and uh, you you got to be selfless. You can't be selfish. That's powerful. <laughs> Because you want greater things and you want to be kingdom-minded. Because the greatest thing in this world you can ever have is going to come only from the kingdom. The greatest thing I'll ever be able to obtain will, will not be a 401K or an impeccable retirement plan. may not happen here in this moment, but you got to understand the greatest thing I'll ever obtain and be able to give to my children is the kingdom. If I'd breathe my last breath and I have not shown my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren God and the riches of his kingdom, then I have failed. And that's on my mind right now at 45. I've got to give my descendants God. I'd love to give them a couple mil apiece when I pass, but it may not happen. Number five, the next expectation of God is to trust in his provisions. Is anybody in here starving to death? Being honest. Anybody don't have a place to lay your head tonight? And you may be going through a season. You clothes clean? Ish? We don't live in poverty. We, we, we have moments when the bank account may be low, but you're going to be all right. God will always supply. You got to think there are people, there's people living in huts on the other side of the world, y'all. They don't have near what you have. And they love God with a passion that you would never believe. Even those people, God will provide. I don't know how he does it, but he will. You got to trust in his provisions. You got to wake up every day knowing, hey, God's going to take care of this today. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he is. Number six, we're almost done. Most importantly, 
The sixth expectation of God is for us to be ready for eternity. Greater things in your life is going to be in your preparation for the future. Eternity. Eternity. Are you ready for eternity right now? Are you ready for whatever God has for your life? The Bible says God knows the number of our days. But what good are you doing? Are you really expecting greater and you're not even ready for eternity? That's powerful. Keeping yourself in a line with his will, aligned with his purpose, understanding that he knows the plan for you. And when you don't understand it all, that's fine. He told you, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Every single day, expecting greater, expecting greater. It comes on us, really. I believe God has provided everything for you. I believe sometimes in our own way, we kind of meander out and we find other ways and avenues. And, but at the end of the day, there's one path that God has for you, and we got to stay on it. We're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray, yeah, yeah.